And so then you can put the Adidas contract next to the Nike contract, next to the New Balance contract, et cetera, et cetera, and see, you know, one is offering a higher salary, but the other one is offering a lower salary, but is also going to pay for your school, uh, which I had one semester of, of school left when all this was taking place. And that was really important to me that I'd be able to finish my education and finish it for free. You're listening to Financial Grown-Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. And you know what? Being a grown-up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown-up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Hello, my financial grown-up friends. That was fellow certified financial planner, Lauren Williams. Her company, by the way, is called Worth Winning. She also just happens to be a three-time Olympic medalist, the first American woman to medal in both the summer and the winter Olympic games. Lauren was a track star and then just kind of decided to get into the bobsledding thing, because why not? And of course, she won a medal there too. By the way, she's a four-time Olympian. And Lauren not only is a CFP, she is an MBA. She has an MBA in finance. Talk about a role model. So welcome, everyone. So glad you are investing the time. And for those of you that are new to the Financial Grown-Up Podcast, we try to keep it short, about 15 minutes, because we know how busy you are. But if you have a little more time, feel free to stack a few episodes together. Let's get right to Lauren. I met her through our mutual friend, Jamila Soufrant, of the Journey to Launch podcast at Podcast Movement, where else, this past summer, and immediately I adored her. I know that you will too. In addition to all of the accomplishments that I just mentioned and many more, she is just the coolest and most lovely person and also a fellow dog lover. Here is Lauren Williams. Lauren Williams, you're a financial grown-up. Welcome to the podcast. It's so good to be on. Thanks for having me, Bobby. And I'm so excited to have you because not only are you a four-time Olympian, the first woman to earn a medal in both the Summer and the Winter Olympics, you get the biggest gold star from me because you're an actual CFP, Certified Financial Planner. So, so great to have you, Lauren. It is really good to be on the show. I'm looking forward to telling my financial story today. I do want to just mention you also are a financial professional. You are the real deal. Your company worth winning. Yeah, I started a company to be able to help young professionals, people specifically in their 20s and 30s, organize their finances because I felt like there was such a big gap there. During my career as a professional athlete, I had some advisors that didn't do a good job for me, and it was mainly because they didn't get what I needed at at that age. So my company is specific to helping young professionals organize their finances. And we'll give all the information for that. And by the way, your podcast, worth listening, after your money story. But we want to get to this because... This is really a unique perspective into the world of a money-savvy athlete because when you were in college, just 20 years old, you won a very big, big race, and that brought you to a big financial milestone in your life. Tell us your money story, Lauren. Yeah, so I was a junior in college at the University of Miami having a blast 
Made it to nationals my freshman and my sophomore year, but didn't have success. So on my junior year, I was on a tear. What do I need to do to win this national championship? I wanted to be the fastest girl in all of college. And I did. I achieved that. I ran the fastest time that day, won the race. It also happened to be the second fastest time in the world for the whole year. Just happened to be. (laughs) Just happened to be. And it was 2004, the Olympic year. So immediately I had to turn my focus from this one goal that I had of winning college nationals to oh my goodness, America is counting on me to go to the Olympic trials a month from now and win that thing and represent Team USA. But also there was a money element to this. Exactly. So immediately after running that time, I started to be approached by agents and they started approaching mostly through my my coach. She was kind of the, the middle woman and she just had to sit me down and say, Lauren, as much as I'd like you to stay in college, I think it's going to be more lucrative for you to leave school. And the first part of that process is for you to get an agent. Right. What happened was you were being approached by a bunch of companies who wanted to sponsor you. Exactly. So with track and field, the shoe companies are usually the main way that we earn a, earn a means of income. So it's not a situation where you earn uh, W-2 employment somewhere with USA or Team USA and then you get this as extra. If you don't have a sponsorship, you don't have an income and you're not really a professional athlete. That was the main thing. And so I had to decide which shoe company I wanted to go with, which contract was going to be the best. And the agent helped a lot with like putting in the restrictions and the bonuses and making sure everything was uh, really good. Right. So let's Let's take a step back. You finish the race. What happens then? Does a shoe company just call your mom? How do they first get in touch with you? Break down exactly what happens. And if you feel comfortable, who is approaching you and how they sort of value an athlete early on? Yeah. So the shoe companies are there at the meet. They're walking by you. They're shaking your hand, telling you good luck. We'd love to talk to you. And, you know, you don't have any long conversations in that moment. You just have kind of shorter ones. And then, like you said, my coach was very protective, made sure that the first step is to get an agent, find someone that you trust and let those shoe companies go through the agent instead of you having to talk to them directly um, because they're trying to woo you and tell you all these great things. But really, it's going to come down to what's on that pen and paper and, you know, whether or not we should sign that. So we got to get someone that's a professional that knows about these contracts in order to get the information we need. Um, So that was the first step in the process. So your coach guided you in choosing an agent. And what was that conversation like? Were you just swarmed by agents? How did you vet the agents? I had to make a list of questions. I had to find out like what I was looking for. What do I need from being a professional athlete? What can I expect from you? Because I'm 20 years old. I'm not even, you know, legally a grown-up grown-up yet. And (laughs) I'm going to need your guidance, but I also know that I'm hiring you and you're going to make a living from this. So what can I expect from the money that you'll be paid to to provide this service to me? And in track and field, uh, agent takes 15% of whatever they they get for you. And that's a pretty hefty chunk of change. You know, it's not one or 2% like it is in, in the other professional sports. So you better make sure that somebody that you trust and that's going to be making the best earnings for you so that, you know, they too in turn can can earn. Wait, is that true? So in track and field, they take 15%. What sports do they take only one or 2%? That seems really low. Pretty much the the big three sports. So the, the major league baseball, National Basketball Association, NFL, all of those have much lower percentages, but they also have much higher earnings. Fascinating. Yeah. 
our income fluctuate quite a bit in track and field. And so for me, I was at around $200,000 as a 20-year-old, uh, like you said, fastest woman in the world in 2004 with, like you said, different bonuses and prize bonuses. If I ran a certain time, I could get a bonus. If I won the Olympics, I'd get a you know increase in salary. All those different sorts of things had to be negotiated. All right. So let's back it up a little. So you get the agent. Then what happens? Did you just get a pile of offers and you just picked one? How, does, how did it work? Were there other factors? Was it just money? What kinds of things were you seeing as a 20-year-old just getting these first money offers? Yeah, so the agent comes to me kind of with a summary of like, here's what Adidas is offering. You know, here's the salary, here's the bonus structure, and here's the, you know, he's just going with the main things. Of course, you know, the final contract is 20 or something pages long, but the initial part is just, here's a summary of what it is. And so then you can put the Adidas contract next to the Nike contract, next to the New Balance contract, et cetera, et cetera, and see, you know, one is offering a higher salary, but the other one is offering a lower salary, but is also going to pay for your school. Uh, which I had one semester of, of school left when all this was taking place. And that was really important to me that I'd be able to finish my education and finish it for free. And um, so you went with Nike. What were the factors that set that, that made that the winner for that first, um, first sponsorship endorsement deal? Ultimately, it was, like you said, the schooling was one of the, the big keys for me because, like I said, education was not optional. So for them being willing to support me, one, financially with a really good salary, then also uh, pay for my education. They had a really good prize and bonus structure that if I did, in fact, run fast, I would be compensated accordingly, which I thought was very fair. Every year that I won, I got a nice rollover or a nice salary increase. It was the most lucrative of the different contracts that were offered. Tell me what was your feeling when you signed that first contract? Did you have a new sense of financial security when you signed with Nike at age 20 for $200,000? As a finance major, I think my biggest feeling when I signed that contract was anxiety. It's like, you've been given a really cool opportunity. Don't blow it. And so the first thing I wanted to do was go and find a financial professional to help me because I knew even though I was a finance major that I didn't have what it took just yet to be able to organize such a large amount of money that I'd never seen before. No one in my family had seen before. It was excitement, but mostly anxiety. What is the takeaway for our listeners from your story, from signing that first big contract at age 20? I would say the takeaway is you never know when something really awesome is going to happen when that that windfall is right around the corner. But it's really about being prepared all the time. When opportunity knocks, be ready to answer the door and be prepared to take life at whatever it is, because it, it can immediately change. And my life changed overnight. I was a, a broke college student to a hundred thousandaire, literally overnight. Amazing. All right. Let's get your everyday money tip, because this also relates back to those early experiences and some good habits that you learned early on. Yeah, I would say everyday money tip, make sure you have questions for whatever it is that you're going through in life, whether it's hiring a financial professional, an accountant, an agent, when you're talking to your friends, ask questions. It's so important to be pulling information out of others as opposed to just taking the information that's being fed to you. I found frequently during my career that people would give me information and they were only giving me the information they wanted me to have. And that ended up being catastrophic in, in a lot of different situations. So really having the ability to ask questions, uh, look for red flags and educate yourself in all aspects of life is the most important everyday money tip that I think your listeners need to hear. Wonderful. Tell us a little bit more about your business now. So 
you did have some tough experiences with financial advisors, and you've talked about that widely. That really helped pivot your career when you moved away from full-time being a professional athlete into being a full-time financial advisor. Yeah, I just had to find a way to fill the gap. Like I said, there were so many basic things from budgeting to understanding first-time home purchase. I needed help with just those basic things. And I realized that as young professionals, there's a gap in the industry. There's these big wealth managers that require you to have at least a million dollars before you can get help. And then there's these other guys that sell you crappy products. And I was like, we deserve something better. We deserve just unbiased advice that could help us build wealth, sort through our student loan situation, sort through, you know, the financial basics so that we can get on the right track. And that's how Worth Winning was born. And what inspired you to become a CFP and not just a financial advisor? Because you don't have to be a CFP to do this. You don't have to be a CFP, but I feel like it's the standard. You know, I wouldn't go to someone who said, I read medical books all the time, so certainly I can perform this surgery on you. Yeah, you may be really smart, but I'm going to go with a doctor that's actually been to medical school. And CFP to me is the same sort of standard where uh, you've gone through rigorous education, you've gotten a certain amount of experience, you've taken a hard, hard, hard exam And you're held to a level of ethics that is not what the whole industry is held to right now. So it was really important to me to be able to put that seal of approval and that stamp on to be able to say I'm competent to serve people and do my best job for them. Awesome. Where can people find out more about you and Worth Winning and Worth Listening, your podcast? Yes. Worth Winning is worth-winning.com. And the podcast is worth-listening.com. And you can get to Worth Listening by going to Worth Winning. So I'd love to have you go and check out my website and, and see if something there rings true with you. And your social channels. You have a great following, by the way. Oh, thank you. At Worth Winning on Instagram, at Worth underscore winning on Twitter. And then if you're looking for me, Lauren Williams, the Olympian, you can do Lauren, L-A-U-R-Y-N, C. Williams on Instagram, Twitter, and you can find me on Facebook as well by typing in either of those. Awesome. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Love Lauren's story because it's such a different world. I mean, can you imagine being a star athlete and being offered hundreds of thousand dollar contracts when you're 20 years old, out of the blue, and all the responsibility that comes with it? I love the fact that she came out so strong And then it became such a great foundation for building her worth winning financial advisory business and her worth listening podcast, which everyone should check out. Lauren is a wonderful role model. Financial grown up tip number one. Lauren talked about asking a lot of questions and having your list. Okay. I want everyone listening to always have one question at the top of that list, no matter what you are buying, financial services or otherwise. How do you get paid? It's very important to know, is someone being paid a flat fee? Are they being paid on commission? Now, there's no right or wrong answer as long as you're comfortable with the answer. Generally, it's nice for financial services to go to somebody who's not being paid on commission because you know that they're selling you, in theory, they should be selling you, what is best for your needs. If it's commission-based, they may be selling you what gives them the best commission and you never really know. So it's important to know how they're being paid. But remember, this is the financial services industry. In many other industries, the general rule is that commissions are often the preferable way to be paid. For example, think about travel. Very often someone that helps you set up a trip is getting a commission and most people are okay with it being paid that way as opposed to paying them a separate fee, although it can be done that way as well. Financial grown-up tip number two, 
You may have noticed that I was fawning all over the fact that Lauren is a certified financial planner. It is a big deal. When you give your money to someone, you need to know that they are qualified, that you can trust them. And I can tell you that as a certified financial planner myself, we are what is called fiduciaries. And that means that we have to work with you to find whatever solution is in your best interest, not just what is suitable. Fiduciary. Big word, very important word, but pay attention to it. Thank you all for your support. If you have a financial question, a money question, or just a question about what goes on behind the scenes here at Financial Grown Up that you want answered on one of our bonus episodes, we are taking listener questions. So just DM it to us on any of the social channels on Instagram at BobbyRebel1, on Twitter at BobbyRebel, or you can also just email it to us at hello at financialgrownup.com. That's hello at financialgrownup.com. And thank you to Lauren Williams for helping us all get one step closer to being financial grownups. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.